0: Good morning, friends. Merry Christmas. Well, this is Pam Pastor, your host for the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. Thank you for joining in on this beautiful morning episode. I'm just going to immediately start with prayer. Father God, we thank you for your son's miraculous birth through the Virgin Mary. He was divinely conceived by the Holy Spirit his two natures of deity and humanity were merged together, and Father, we're thankful that there was never a time when Jesus ceased to be. He is your eternal, pre-existent Son. This was such a special divine arrangement for Jesus to enter into humanity. You allowed your eternal son to be implanted in the temporal womb of Mary. She then would carry this miracle seed for a term of nine months. Glory be to God in the highest. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is the Messiah, he's the Savior of humankind, and the humanity of Jesus is linked to where we are today. You see, Jesus lives on in his resurrected body so that he can understand our humanity and our infirmities. Because of Jesus, God is approachable, he is believable, he is the only way to the Father. When people were desperate and in need of hope, God sent his son as a baby and it would be Mary and Joseph who were chosen to raise the babe Jesus. Joseph noticed the godliness of Mary's character. And if you're asking yourself, well, why Mary? Why was she chosen? That's an easy one, friends. She was a clean and pure vessel who was obedient to God and to Scripture. Her focus was to operate within the will of God. She and Joseph desired to live ordinary and orderly lives, bringing glory to God. But you've heard me on many other episodes say, quote-unquote, But God surprised them in a huge way. Joseph trusted in God. Their ordinary lives turned to ridicule in their village, though. And at this time, Herod the Great was the ruler who ruled with a heavy hand and a much burdened heart. But God, through his son Jesus, would bring the most prolific message at the perfect time for all of time, one of peace, love our enemies, forgiveness, and that of eternal life. As Mary and Joseph set off from Nazareth to Bethlehem to register in the census for the Roman taxation mandate, their friends would have blessed them with gifts and prayers upon leaving, and the world as they knew it, and as we know it, would forever be changed. So again, friends, Merry Christmas. Today, December the 25th, is the day we come together as Christians, placing our differences aside, and we celebrate Jesus Christ's birth. Now, for this episode, I've asked a special guest, of course, my husband, Matt, to join me and I want him to do a devotional reading specially prepared for the day it comes out of David Jeremiah's devotions for Christmas and it's called walking with Jesus
1: Good morning everyone and so December 25th Christmas joy then the angels said to them do not be afraid for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there was born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord and that comes from Luke 2:10 and 11 the Greek word for evangelize means to announce glad tidings good news which results in great joy too often we think of evangelism as the recitation of facts about Jesus His death and resurrection and belief in Him. And those are important, but framing it as an announcement of something great, good news, can make all the difference to those who hear. When the angel announced to the shepherds that Jesus was born, he literally said, I evangelize you. I bring you good tidings. And the glad tidings were that in Bethlehem a Savior was born who is Christ the Lord. The angel didn't connect great joy with the activities around Jesus' birth. The great joy was tied directly to the birth of Jesus himself. For us, the joy of Christmas should not be tied to presents and decorations. It should be tied to Jesus himself. May your Christmas joy this year be tied to Jesus the Savior who is Christ the Lord.
0: Thank you, Matt. Well, Merry Christmas. And I think we know exactly what Christmas is all about. It's about the birth of our Savior. And like you said, it's not about presents, but our joy can be actually celebrated every single day. We don't have to wait for Christmas Day. So, First, we start off with John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, where it's recorded that Philip said to him, "'Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us.' But Jesus said to him, "'Have I been with you so long, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father.'" So how can you say, "'Show us the Father?' You see, God is Jesus and Jesus is God, friends. So that's exactly what Jesus was saying in this passage of scripture when he was talking with Philip. Scripture does give us at least five reasons, if not more, for why Jesus came to earth, leaving behind the deity, his deity, and coming to earth for humanity. But importantly and firstly, his birth fulfills Old Testament prophecies, which solidify the words of the prophets and their future predictions. And the Old Testament always pointed us to a coming Messiah, a savior for the people, a king who would rescue his people and restore them to God. The Hebrew scriptures contain more than 300 specific prophecies and promises about the coming Savior. The odds against all the prophecies happening by chance are astronomical, and yet these events actually did happen, just as predicted, all the way down to the smallest detail. For instance, the prophet Micah predicted Jesus' birth in Bethlehem about 700 years before it even happened. And what about Daniel? He gave us a timetable for Jesus's appearance. And Isaiah said the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And the prophet Jeremiah foretold a time when because of Christ's birth, many children would be slaughtered. Again, that was under King Herod. And Hosea revealed that Mary and Joseph would have to go to Egypt to save Jesus's life. Now, all of these prophecies, as I said, were given 500 to 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And importantly, each one came true at his birth. These were not just historical facts, but they were fulfillment of prophecy. And this proves that Jesus reveals himself today. Like Mary, he too knew his scriptures. He knew the prophecies in the Old Testament, and he was a devout man of prayer. Now here I'm talking about Simeon, and we're going to get into Simeon a little bit more when we start talking about the songs of the Nativity. But our second reason for why Jesus came to earth was through Jesus' birth, we're shown the Father, And then thirdly, it was to save people from their sin. Fourthly, it was to sympathize with human weakness. Jesus was tempted to sin and never once did he fail the test. This allows him to be our high priest. And finally, the last reason that Jesus incarnated into into the earth here was Jesus secured the hope of heaven for his own. He would teach that Christians can fulfill the word of God by living a life that speaks as loudly as faithful words do. So pause for just a moment and reflect on this, answering this question, what if Jesus would have never come to earth? What would that mean? Well, it would mean that there would be no Christmas to celebrate, no truth in our world, no way for mankind to understand God. We would never know how or to whom to seek forgiveness. With no Christmas, we cannot be understood by an all-loving pure God and God desired friendship with his creation this was the basis for the garden of Eden he would stroll along in the garden communing with his creation they were in absolute perfection And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, it's recorded, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, Jesus had to face temptations just like you and just like me. He would need to prove that he could not and would not sin. And this helped to enable him to sympathize with people as their high priest. Jesus was able to know sin's intensity because he never yielded to it. He could know the experience of the full extent of its force. Because Jesus' kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, one in which most kings are born babies and then they die kings, well, Jesus was different. Jesus was born a king and he died by a criminal crucifixion. We just read that scripture challenges us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And people didn't need to fear being turned away from the throne of God. Nothing ever has to be omitted or needs to be hid from our God. God is amazing. Through Jesus, he gives us his mercy for our past failures, even though every person deserves justice, and he gives us grace for present needs. Jesus touches our lives at just the right time. Christmas awakens us. We're freely offered a life with Jesus, a new beginning. This is God's best gift he could ever give to us. Jesus' earthly ministry was all about the cross, not the crown. It was not only the cross he would bear for the sins of Israel and the whole world, but spiritual death itself. Jesus said that we would need to take up our cross, die to self, and be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. Jesus left his home in heaven to come down and walk among us. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus promises us more abundant life. He lived his life as a servant who gave his life for others. He looked for God's lost sheep promising to leave the 99 in search of the one who was lost. He talked often about the kingdom of God. He would demonstrate God's power through miracles, signs, and wonders. Jesus would grow up throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The prophet Isaiah provided us with Jesus' ultimate purpose. He had anticipated in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And Jesus' cousin John the Baptist was his forerunner. In John chapter 1 verse 29, the apostle John foretold us, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when we examine the events surrounding the Nativity, we too must face our humanity and internalize the miracle that took place in Bethlehem over 20 centuries ago. And the Song of Mary is recorded in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. If you'd like to follow along with me, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 verse 46 now and again this is titled the song of mary and mary said my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in god my savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant for behold henceforth all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. And then now that takes us further into the story, but you can see that Mary's song of praise has been dubbed the Magnificat, meaning my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary would even recognize herself as a lowly human in need of a savior. She was not divine, nor did she believe herself to be. She was simply divinely blessed. It was the theme of mercy that played a significant role in the events leading up to Jesus' birth. God's pure, unadulterated love and compassion prompted God to go to such great lengths to respond to the plight of his people by sending his only beloved son to save us and Mary knew scripture and she understood that her son was the fulfillment of many divine promises to Israel down through the centuries beginning with God's covenant with Abraham Listen now as each section of Mary's Magnificat is correlated to the Old Testament historical books, prophets, and or wisdom poetry. Here we're going to begin with, my soul magnifies the Lord and my Savior has rejoiced in God my Savior. And I'm actually referencing David Jeremiah's Old Testament parallels to the Magnificat. And in the Pentateuch and the historical books, my heart rejoices in the Lord because I rejoice in your salvation. Now this was Hannah's prayer coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 1, if you want to look that up on your own. And then the prophets would say in the book of Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. So when we say that Mary knew her scripture, these are historical references that Mary would be uh, citing within her Magnificat. And then she even uses wisdom and poetry literature as well she goes to the psalms chapter 28 verse 7 therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song i will praise him and then we look at the magnificat again for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant well in the historical books again in hannah's prayer it says "O lord of hosts if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me Back to the Magnificat. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Well, historically, Genesis chapter 30 verse 13 says, Then Leah said, I am happy for the daughters will call me blessed. The Magnificat. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. The Psalms, chapter 71, verse 19. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. The Magnificat. And holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Deuteronomy, chapter 5, verse 10. This is God talking to Moses. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Psalm Chapter 103, verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. The Magnificat. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Going back to Hannah's prayer in first Samuel chapter two verses four and five, the bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. And in Hannah's prayer continued in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among the princes and make them inherit the throne of glory. Job chapter 5, verse 11 says, He sets on high those who are lowly. And in Psalm chapter 138, verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. And finally, the last example we have from the Magnificat, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And we find in the Isaiah chapter 41 verses 8 and 9. But you, Israel, are my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the descendants of Abraham, my friend, you whom I have taken from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest regions and said to you, you are my servant, I've chosen you and have not cast you away. And Micah Chapter 7 verse 20 tells us this: You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham which you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. Psalm chapter 98 verse 3: He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. So now the Magnificat represents just one of the four songs recorded for the Nativity. We also have the Benedictus of Zacharias. And this song or this hymn was one of praise to God, emphasizing the national benefits of God's gift. God's blessings are not only for us to keep to ourselves, but we're also to give them away. You know, I've heard it said that we are... Blessed so that we can be a blessing. We also have the song of the angels to the shepherds. Here we're praising God again, singing glory to God and on earth peace. This hymn is purposeful, citing goodwill to men. The message here is reflective of humanity no longer being at enmity with god and finally we include the song of simeon in our four nativity songs recall that simeon was a righteous man meaning he was approved by god he had focused everything on his anticipation of christ the consolation of israel coming to free his people israel and to be her messiah Simeon was controlled. He was guided and conditioned by the Holy Spirit of God. He received the revelation of Jesus in the same way that Jesus reveals himself to us today. And like we said earlier, like Mary, he too knew his scriptures. He knew the prophecies in the Old Testament, and he was a devout man of prayer The fact that Simeon blessed God shows that he knew immediately and absolutely with certainty and authority that Jesus was the Messiah when he saw that baby being held in Mary's arms at the temple. Humanity rejected Jesus at his birth and throughout his life. So I'm going to leave you with one question today to ponder. What are we or what are you doing in your present everyday life to glorify our Lord Jesus? And I'm going to give you a little hint with the answer. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto the Lord and not to man. And that will bring glory to the Lord. So friends, if you have not been spiritually reborn, God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son, Jesus. When we place our trust in Jesus's finished work upon that cross at Calvary, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was then placed onto Jesus at his crucifixion. Now, this is a grace gift that we can never repay back to Jesus. However, what we can do is show him our gratitude by growing in our relationship with him. We can make efforts to obey him, deepening our connection daily. So friends, if this is you, respectfully, I'm challenging you to take a bold step of courage, faith, and strength by opening con- openly confessing this eternal salvation prayer after me. Father God, I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking, acting, and plain doing this life. Jesus, you're invited to be the king of the throne of my heart, taking up permanent resonance. I'm confessing your shed blood Washed away my past, present, and future sin upon that cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so He can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you through the person of the Holy Spirit. And consider joining a good Bible-based church, surrounding yourself with other like-minded believers who will help build up and edify your newfound faith in Jesus. Now, allow me to be the first person to congratulate you on making the wisest and most important decision of your entire lifetime. Congratulations, and God bless you. And friends, I hope to see you joining me back on a future episode of The Grace and Peace of God, Love Wins. And if you are interested in being a guest, send me an email at, pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. And importantly, I want to say always remember that you have been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. So Merry Christmas, friends. Until next time, God bless you.